Well, you know, we've been talking for some time now about facing the adversities of life and how to face hard times, how to handle times of trouble, what to do when you face the storms of life. And this morning I'd like to continue along those lines with a message the Lord gave me many years ago and one that I have had to return to continually in my life when I face the inevitable storms of life. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about whose boat are you in? Whose boat are you in? I want to start by talking about Jonah's boat. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, verse 7 through 12, and 15 through 17 in the New King James Version. Let's read. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, first of all, anytime you see something repeated in Scripture more than one time, you know the Holy Spirit is emphasizing a great truth. And you see here in this verse that Jonah was running from the presence of the Lord. It's even repeated a third time in verse 10, which we'll be getting to. How many know that when you run from the presence of the Lord, you're already in trouble? You run from the presence of the Lord because when you get in His presence, He begins to speak to you about your circumstances, about what you need to be doing according to His will, not yours. Amen? That's why Jonah was running from the presence of the Lord. He didn't want to hear what the Lord had to say to him because he didn't want to prophesy to Nineveh. Why? Because the Assyrians, Nineveh was the capital, were the arch enemies of Israel at that time because he was afraid they would repent. After all, there are enemies. Why would I want something good to happen to them? It's a little bit more complicated than that, but that's it in a nutshell. He didn't want to prophesy to Nineveh because I believe he was afraid it would be effective. And he did not like the Assyrians. They had a ferocious, terrible reputation. They were horrible oppressors, cruel. Even some accounts that when they would take prisoners, they would flay them alive before they killed them. Okay, Just to put them through as much pain as possible. So they were a horrible, conquering enemy of Israel. And therefore, Jonah says, I want no part of preaching to them. And he ran. Praise the Lord. Not that he ran, but praise the Lord. I'm enjoying this message. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Notice in this passage that it was the Lord who sent the stormy seas against Jonah's boat. Why? Because Jonah was running from the call of God on his life. He was headed in the opposite direction of where he was supposed to be headed. I did a little research. Nineveh was about 500 miles east of his hometown. He chose to go to Tarshish, which was over there on the rock of Gibraltar in southern Spain, 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. I mean, if you're going to disobey God, you might as well go big. Amen. (laughs) He was supposed to preach judgment to Nineveh and call them to repent of their wickedness. Verse 7. 
And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? Now before we hear Jonah's answer, notice that when you run from your calling, people might perish that otherwise would not have perished. When you run from your calling, it affects more than just you. It affects all the people that God called you to reach. If you don't become the man or woman that God called you to become, you will not reach the people God called you to reach. Amen? Amen. So if you're running from your calling, it could cost the lives of the people you have forsaken by not following your calling. You follow that? Amen. In this case, it was the men on Jonah's boat who faced the loss of their lives because of Jonah's disobedience. Not to mention the entire city of Nineveh, a city of over 600,000 people whose lives hung in the balance. He not only endangered the men on that boat, but he endangered the entire city of Nineveh because the Lord had compassion on Nineveh and wanted them to repent. Verse 9 says, So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord. There it is again. Because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up. And throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Skip on down to verse 15. They argued for a little while whether or not they really wanted to throw him overboard. And then verse 15 says, So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, let me just take a little tangent here. Liberal scholars scoff at the notion that a man could be swallowed by a fish. Well, I believe it was a whale because whales are air-breathing mammals, and there's air pockets inside of a whale. So it is possible, first of all, physically possible for a large whale to swallow a human whole. It's also possible that there could be air in there, so much so that a man could live for three days and three nights. It's at least possible. They scoff at Jonah's whale, but then they take hook, line, and sinker, the absolute insanity of evolutionary biology. Don't let me get started on that, because I taught probability and statistics at uh, Louisiana Tech University. Uh, Let me just tell you, it's just beyond the realm of statistical probability that such a thing could happen. Yet they take that whole line and sinker and they scoff at a man being swallowed by a whale. Okay, off my soapbox, back to the message. Amen. So if you read the rest of the story, you'll find out that Jonah repented of his disobedience. He was forgiven and eventually deposited on the shore. The Bible says he was vomited onto the shore. How'd you like to be delivered? to your place like that. And here's the thing that most people don't realize, that 
Even after he was deposited on the shore by the whale, he still had a 500-mile journey ahead of him after spending three days and three nights in the belly of a whale. So evidently it was quite an ordeal for him to even get to the city, amen? But he did. He preached to the city, and the city of Nineveh repented of their wickedness. And because of this, judgment on Nineveh was delayed for about a 100 years because Jonah preached to them, and they repented. Amen? Almost three generations of Ninevites basked in the light of God's truth, and the nation prospered as a result. Amen. Listen, I want to just share real quickly a testimony about running from the call of God on your life. It's my personal testimony back in the summer of 1995 when I was flying for the Air Force Reserve. We were living in Minden, Louisiana, and we were going to a church there called Living Word Worship Center. Trish and I were youth pastors. We were also prison ministers, and we were flourishing in our ministry. Because eight years earlier, when I was a pilot with the active duty Marines, the Lord dealt with me and said, I want you to leave the Marines. You can continue to fly with the Air Force Reserve so that you have time and flexibility to do what I really call you to do, and that is minister. So our ministry was flourishing because we are obedient to the Lord in that we were there, I was staying in the reserves, and we were pursuing ministry with all of our hearts. Well, because I had been applying for the astronaut program, I applied four times, I thought I would help my case if I flew a particular kind of jet that NASA was keen on. I'll spare you the details, but I wrangled my way into an active duty assignment flying the AT-38B, a jet fighter trainer, exactly opposite of what God had called me to do. And I convinced myself that it was okay with the Lord. You know, sometimes you can fool yourself, but you can't fool God. So I moved my young family to Columbus, Mississippi from Minden, Louisiana, and two weeks later, I had to report to Randolph Air Force Base in Texas for training in the AT-38B. A few days later, I lay on the bed in my room, and, and I had a vision. I mean, I just came home one day. I plopped backwards onto the bed, and all of a sudden, I was in the spirit, and I had a vision. In the vision, I was driving down a straight and narrow road as far as the eye could see, and then suddenly, I made a left turn off the road that I was on. A white vehicle appeared out of nowhere and blocked me from continuing down that road. A man dressed in white who appeared to be about seven or eight feet tall, I believe he was an angel, got out of the vehicle. He walked up to the front of my car and he put out his hand, his right hand, like a crossing guard. And he just said to me, loud, booming voice, he said, stop, you're blocking the flow. And my immediate reaction was, there ain't no cars behind your vehicle. What do you mean I'm blocking the flow? You're blocking the flow. But after I came out of the vision, I realized what the Lord sent the angel to tell me. If I persisted in going down this wrong turn off the straight and narrow that he'd called me to, there would be trouble. And I would block the flow of God's grace and mercy in my life. So the angel was saying, stop. Don't do that. Well... Unfortunately, I plowed on anyway and continued with the assignment. How many realized that was not a good move? All I can say is everything that could go wrong from that point forward did go wrong. All hell broke loose in my life. Before long, I felt as if the whole world was crashing in all around me. My dreams were shattered, and I didn't know what to do. It wasn't too much longer after those stormy seas arose that I repented of my disobedience. 
I cast myself under the sea of God's mercy and grace and trusted him to get me back on the right path. Much like Jonah, the storms came into my life because I deliberately chose to go down the wrong path, the exact opposite path that God had called me to pursue. It was a storm of my own making. I was running from the call of God on my life, and as a result, I faced the most difficult, stormy, and tumultuous season of my entire life in ministry. I still shudder when I think about it. It was 20 years ago. If I had time, I could share how the Air Force Reserve unit that I left behind was thrown into turmoil after I left because the wrong people were put into leadership roles that had been designated for me. It took years for that unit to recover, and it took years for me to recover after I returned to the place where I was supposed to be. Remember, when you run from your calling, it doesn't just affect your life. It affects all the lives you are destined to impact for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not just about you. So that was Jonah's boat. Let's talk about Jesus' boat. Luke chapter 8, verse 22 through 26. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. Notice that Jesus gave the disciples specific instructions to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And they launched out in obedience to his word. Verse 23. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. Jesus knew that four of the twelve in that boat were professional fishermen. I believe he trusted them to get him to the other side. Amen? So he went to sleep. But a windstorm arose quickly on the lake and threatened to sink them before they could get to the other side. In this case, unlike the case with Jonah and his boat, it was not God who sent the storms against them. This time, I think it's clear to everyone in this room that these storms came from the enemy because Jesus had determined he was going to go to the other side and the enemy was going to try and stop him any way he could. Amen? Why did he need to get to the other side? Well, we'll get to that. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Another gospel account says there were other little boats with them. I often wonder if the big boat was taken on water and about to sink. What about the little boats? Amen. Evidently, there's a lot of details left out. It must have been a very harrowing experience. But he said to them, Oh, it's okay. I know the big bad storm is scaring you. I'm here to comfort you, my children. No, no. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. Notice that Jesus didn't coddle them concerning what to them was a life or death situation. No, he reprimanded them because of their lack of faith. He had given them the command to go to the other side, and that's exactly what he expected them to do. Amen? If they encountered stormy seas along the way, he expected them to use their faith to make it through nevertheless. Verse 28 says, Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. Now, if you read the rest of the story, 
you find out the reason that Jesus wanted them to go to the other side and why the enemy was so determined to stop them from doing so. There was a madman tormented with a legion of demons. And those demons were controlling the entire spiritual atmosphere of Gadara. I think they acted like a gatekeeper, keeping darkness in and keeping righteousness out. Jesus wanted that man set free. Furthermore, he wanted that entire region set free so the country of the Gadarenes would be receptive to the gospel. Amen? That's why he wanted to go to the other side, and that's why the devil tried to stop him. Amen? Let's bring it down home here and talk about the next level for Faith Life Fellowship. For several weeks now, we here at Faith Life Fellowship have faced a series of storms that have come against us. Storms have come against the church, and storms have come against the members of this church. Some of them have been the fiercest we have ever faced. This is a critical time in the life and short history of our church, and Jesus has commanded us to go to the other side, to take this church to the next level of growth and influence in this community. And the enemy, quite frankly, has pulled out all the stops to try and stop us from doing so. So let me make this declaration right here, right now. I've got several of them. Just bear with me. Jesus has told us to go to the other side, to take this church to the next level, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Storms have been sent against us, but we're going to the other side. We'll calm the seas, calm the waves, calm the wind, because we're going to the other side. We're going to the other side to minister to those who are bound by Satan's grip. We're going to the other side to help change the entire atmosphere of this community so that it's ripe for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me wrap this up by saying if you're facing raging storms in your life and in your ministry, you need to ask yourself the following question. Am I in Jonah's boat or am I in Jesus' boat? Which is it? Are you facing storms and you don't know the origin of those storms? Well, to know the origin of those storms, you need to know which boat you're in. Are you in Jonah's boat or are you in Jesus' boat? Let's talk about are you in Jonah's boat. Are you running from the call of God on your life this morning? Are you avoiding the presence of God in your life? Are you going in the opposite direction from what you know God has called you to do? If the answer is yes to any of these questions, I urge you to repent. And just like Jonah, cast yourself on the ocean of God's love and forgiveness. The moment you surrender, the stormy seas will calm and his peace will envelop you. If you don't know Jesus, confess him as Lord today. He'll forgive your sins, dry your tears, dust you off, and set you on the right path. If you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but have strayed from your walk, make the decision today to get back on the right path. Amen? Are you in Jesus' boat? Have you been walking faithfully with God, pursuing His plan for your life? And all of a sudden, it seems as if all hell has broken loose on you and your loved ones. If so, rise up in faith and recognize the enemy's attempt to stop you from pursuing that calling. 
Command the storm to cease and the wind and the waves to calm. Begin to declare that you're going to the other side no matter what storms the devil may throw your way. As you do this, faithfully, without backing down, the storms that have come against you will begin to dissipate and you will make it to the other side. You're going to become the person God called you to be and you're going to reach the people God called you to reach. Amen? Amen. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again.